were, but those are two books that uh, are really good at giving you some practical tips. So that said, uh, let's give our attention to God's word. We're going to look at uh, Proverbs 22, 6, and then jump over to Proverbs 23, verses 13 through 18. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then 23.18 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. This is the word of our Heavenly Father to us, and like him, it is good, and it desires to teach us and lead us in his way. So let's pray and ask for his help. Father in heaven, would you guide us with your wisdom Would you work in our hearts now your truth that we would be doers of the word and not simply hearers only? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So uh, we had just had our first child. Uh, I was in uh, seminary at the time, and I remember being in the library uh, and talking to a fellow student named Matt. Uh, And Matt had, at the time, four or five Children, you know, when you get to that point, you really just stop counting. Uh, once you need a cargo van to carry your children, you stop counting. Um, but um, he was telling me that uh, their experience with their first child was actually pretty easy. Uh, the child slept well, ate well, responded well to discipline, those sorts of things. And so, of course, uh, that led Matt to naturally assume, I'm a fantastic parent, Right? Uh, and so uh, he was so confident in uh, he was so confident in that assumption uh, that when he was talking to friends who were struggling as parents, he had no qualms applying you know his sage wisdom of about eight months to other parents and telling them how to parent. And then Matt said we had our second child, and it was completely different. And all of a sudden we realized like oh. Maybe we're not so good at this parenting thing after all. Uh, so sometimes, right, when, um, when we come at parenting, no, nothing can humble you quite like parenting. And sometimes we come at parenting uh, like, like children are machines, right? We're, we're looking for that indicator light, and if we just push the right sequence of buttons, the indicator light will turn from red to green, and all is good again. Of course, now that I say that, I don't Imagine that mach- I don't think machines actually respond all that well either. Um, so, right, but oftentimes we think about, when we think about parenting, we think, man, if I just take these steps, we're going to get this result. Uh, and even this first proverb we're going to look at, Proverbs 22, 6, can kind of give us uh, that indication. If we misunderstand what this proverb is saying, we kind of get that, that sense of, well, if I just take the right steps, I'm going to get a guaranteed outcome. But remember that that's not how proverbs work. Proverbs are not promises, they are not laws, right? They are general principles that show us how life works best. 
that if we follow them, ideally things will go well. We will learn what it means to live well in God's world. Right? So it's the way that things work best. But we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is often not ideal. And so sometimes we feel like we do everything right. Actually, tell you what, if you feel like you've done everything right, let's have a conversation because I need to know what you're doing. Um, Sometimes we feel like we've done most everything we can right and it still doesn't turn out the way that we expected it to. Um, So... Um, how, what kind of, uh, so just bear that in mind as we talk about Proverbs, but as we bear that in mind, what does Proverbs tell us about wise parenting? And what sort of things, what, what does it look like to live well in God's design here? God has created this relationship. What does it look like for us to live well in it? First, we see that a wise parent sets the course. A wise parent sets the course. Second, that a wise parent puts up guardrails. Right, so not only do you set the trajectory, but then you also put guardrails on each side of, the, of that road. And then finally, a wise parent remembers the heart of their perfect father. So, all right, so what does it look like to set the course? Let's look back at 22.6, Proverbs 22.6. A familiar one to many of you. It says, train up a child on the way he should go. That word train is probably better translated uh, dedicate, dedicate. It's the same word used in the Old Testament about dedicating a building, like dedicating the temple for the worship of God, right? So um, you're declaring it, you're, you're setting it for a certain purpose. You're setting it in a certain direction. And the rest of the verse, or that first part of the verse, is somewhat vague. It literally says, dedicate a child to his way, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So that can mean really ambiguously one of two things. It can either be a warning. If you leave a child, if you set a child to follow their own direction, then don't be surprised when they end up following it all the way, right, when it doesn't go well for them. So it can be a warning or uh, it can be a blessing, right? It can be looked at more positively, that when you dedicate a child to go in the right direction, odds are that they will continue in that direction, right? And so the ambiguity, like most translations do the positive, and I think that's accurate. Um, But that ambiguity lets us know that parents are the ones who set their trajectory, for good or for bad, right? And sometimes for both. That parents, your children, will follow the direction that you set. And that means your words, but it also means your life. Right? We, we often have this divide between the way that we speak and the way that we live. Right? Do as I say, not as I do. Well, children see that. Uh, that's setting a certain course. We follow it. They're, we're dedicating them to a way there. Uh, when I think about dedication, of course, the Olympics have just begun. We like the Olympics in our house. We enjoy watching the Olympics. Think about, think about the dedication of these athletes. Right, that, that, that they're really at the pinnacle. When you reach the Olympics, you are at the pinnacle of your game. And you didn't get there by accident. Right? You, don't, you don't get to the Olympics overnight. Right? That, that course, that path begins way back here. Right? So uh, Simone Biles is uh, the most decorated U.S. gymnast. 
She's an amazing gymnast. She has the reputation of probably being the world's best gymnast. Um, Simone Biles is 24 right now, which actually means she's old uh, for, to be a gymnast, um, to, be, to, to still be competing. She's 24. She began training in a dedicated way at the age of eight. And that was after she'd like been to a gymnastics class at the age of six. Okay? Um, at the age of 15, she switches from public school to homeschool so that she can dedicate about 30 hours of her week to gymnastics. Right? That's, that's setting the course. That's being dedicated along a course of action. That trajectory is what parents, is what wise parents set for their children. And so, and we would say parents, dads, that's not just mom. It's not mom's job alone to set the trajectory for your children. In fact, uh, Ephesians 6, Paul addresses fathers when he talks about raising children. Now, that's not that mom is uh, ab obsolete or absent in that process, but throughout the Bible, the dad is talked to as the responsible leader of the home, all right? So, so dads, uh, we have a responsibility to set the trajectory of our homes. Now, how does that wisdom differ from our current mindset, from the kind of the modern mindset of wisdom, right? Uh, instead of Parents setting the trajectory for their children, right? Uh, children are their own individuals. We need to let them discover their own story, right? So, you know, parents, maybe in the most extreme, it's just like feed and shelter your children, but otherwise let them go and let them discover, right? Proverbs 22, uh, 15 says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. We're going to look at that more in just a minute. So that means that if I, let, if I take the Bible at its word, that if I let my child follow their own natural course and folly is what's bound up in their hearts, then they're going to end up foolishly, right? Nobody pursues wisdom on accident. And so that idea of kind of like discover your own story, that's really what, that's what I call Disney theology, right? You could, you could write any Disney movie, like the formula for any Disney movie in a heartbeat. Uh, we just we just watched the movie Luca, and it's not a not a bad movie, um, but I think about how the parents are portrayed in that movie: mom, uh, overbearing, fearful, and controlling; dad, absent, goofy, moron. Best hope for child: escape, get away from parents, discover freedom and purpose. Right? That is the opposite narrative from the narrative of the Bible. Now, that may be how it played out in your house. It may be how it's playing out in your house right now. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not hope for you. But it does mean that you might need to reorient the way that you approach the task of parenting. Right? There's, a reason, there's a reason that the family is perceived that way. And that's because that's often, or not, maybe not often, but that's how it often ends up uh, a lot of times. Right? Uh, but in contradiction to that, Proverbs teaches us that Parents are the ones who set the course, the trajectory for their children. Uh, now, what kind of course do we set? Look over at 23, verse 15. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. 
My inmost being will exult. Literally, my kidneys will jump for joy. All right, so the, the Old Testament puts heart and kidneys together to talk about the deepest longings and desires of the human heart, right? That's how the Old Testament, that's how Hebrews speaks. And, and what's the goal? What does the father want to see more than anything? He wants to see his son embrace wisdom, right? The wise parent wants to see wise children. And children, there's something in this for you as well, that when you pursue wisdom, that you make your parents glad. Right? We looked at the commandment earlier to honor your father and mother. Right? That, that God has designed these relationships for our flourishing and good. And so children, uh, when you embrace wisdom, it makes your parents glad. Uh, they, that's the way that they want you to go. Look at verse 17. Don't let your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. So uh, the, the end, the, the trajectory that we as parents want to set is to say, look, don't, don't be zealous for sinners. Don't, don't be envious of sinners, but pursue the Lord all the day. That, make that your goal in life. And if pursuing the Lord is your goal in life, then look at verse 18. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. You can take that to the bank, that if you pursue the Lord, if that is your goal, if that's the end to which you are heading, you will not be disappointed. That doesn't mean your life won't be difficult. That doesn't mean that there won't be times that God leads you through the desert, leads you into the valley of the shadow of death. But it does mean that there is a hope and there is a future for those who pursue the Lord. Parents, that's the trajectory we want to set. That's, that's the path of wisdom, is to the fear of the Lord. Now, how do we set that? How do we do that? Well, we put up some guardrails, right? Again, nobody, nobody becomes wise by accident, right? Simone Biles didn't just become, like, accidentally a gold medal gymnast, right? It took years and years of training, uh, discipline, direction, uh, so one of the guardrails, and this is what Proverbs covers most extensively, is instruction or teaching. In fact, that's really the whole book of Proverbs. This book is designed, it's from a father to a son, telling them what the wise life looks like. So there's instruction. Look at verse uh, 23, 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. So there's that. But then... Also, there's times when words aren't enough, right? When just simply teaching uh, the wise life, that, that won't do it all. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. This is uncomfortable, right? Um, he's talking about spanking, okay? Uh, and, what he, and, and, and the rationale for... Corporal punishment for discipline uh, with spanking is that folly is bound up in my heart, right? It's all, my heart is all wrapped up in foolishness, okay? Right, so this is what, here's, here's what that means. It means our sons and daughters are not blank slates, okay? None of us is born morally neutral. All of us are born driving the wrong way down a one-way street, now, some of us do that at 25, some of us do that at 105. Some of us do that driving in reverse, 
right? But we're all born going the wrong way down the one-way street. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, right? Uh, so, you know, when, when, Susie, when you see Susie going for the electrical outlet with a fork, what do you do? You say, stop, right? Susie, don't do that. That's going to hurt you. And you take the fork away from her. And then what does Susie do? Right? She gives you that look, and her finger starts moving towards the outlet. Why? Because folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Because naturally, by birth, when we hear wisdom, we respond with folly. And so what do you do when, Sally, when, Sally, when Susie gives you that look and aims her finger at the outlet? You pop her hand. And you tell her again, no, that'll hurt you. And then you put those little plastic covers over the plug because Susie might do that while you're not looking. Why? Because folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And the rod of discipline drives it far. Now, is that unkind? Is that abusive? Uh, maybe, maybe your experience with the rod is, is really negative. Maybe you had parents who would fly off the handle uh, and they would use verses like this as an excuse to, be, to, to brutalize and abuse. That's not what Proverbs has in mind. That's not the use of the rod that Proverbs is talking about. Uh, and we'll, let me address that in a minute. But first, uh, Proverbs says in chapter 23, verse 13, Don't withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he won't die. It won't kill him. It will not kill her to have a wooden spoon applied to her chubby backside. Okay? That does not bring death. In fact, it actually brings life. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, right, from the grave. That what you're doing with discipline, what we're doing with discipline, is we are pointing our children to life. Proverbs 19.18 says this, Discipline your son because there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. So what Proverbs is telling us is that discipline, used rightly, is not cruel or life-taking. It's, it's actually life-giving. Discipline is not cruel. Withholding discipline is what is cruel. In fact, even God himself says in the book of Hebrews, quoting from Proverbs, right, that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. That if we undergo the Lord's discipline, it means we are his sons and daughters. Right? If we're not being disciplined by the Lord, it means that we are orphans, that we are, that we are not a part of the family, right? that we are, we are neglected, illegitimate children, that even the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. So discipline is not cruel. Withholding discipline is. But let's address that other problem, right? Parents, we need guardrails too. Uh, because we're sinners, we can use discipline in a destructive way. Paul in Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't exasperate, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Well, how do, how do you exasperate? How do you provoke your children to anger. Well, you use your words to shame and embarrass them. That's no longer that's not wisdom. That's not wise. That's not wise to do. 
right? You're, you use words to shame and embarrass them. Or you apply physical discipline out of anger or irritation or inconvenience. And I know those so well because I've done them so often, right? That this, this particular area is a struggle for me, right? Uh, I'm, I'm like a good sports car. I can go from passive to overly aggressive in about a millisecond. And usually what causes me to make that rapid acceleration is that you have transgressed my desire for the moment, right? That I had this plan, I had this desire, and one of my children has gotten in the way, and I have responded in anger out of irritation or inconvenience. And if I didn't use my words to shame or embarrass them, I disciplined them physically wrongly. That's not the kind of discipline that the Proverbs are talking about, right? One of the ways that I see this, have seen this happen in my own life, especially when my children were younger, uh, was simply just out of inconsistency, right? I would, I would give a verbal warning, and at this point, usually I'm pretty calm, but I would say, hey, son, don't do that. And of course, again, folly's bound up in the heart of the child. They, they do it. And what would happen is, in, because I didn't want the inconvenience of spanking, it led me to be inconsistent. And so what I would do is I would just say, I'm, I'm serious. Now, don't do that. Or I'm going to, right? And then my child does it again. And instead of following through on my promise, I give them yet another warning and another warning and another warning, right? We do this because we don't really want the inconvenience of, of applying the rod to our children. It's going to be a painful process. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make them cry. probably going to make us cry, Right? So we don't want to do that, so what we do instead is we give repeated warnings. But each time I would give a warning, my temperature would rise, right? And what happens when the temperature reaches its boiling point? Well, then you just erupt. And now I'm disciplining in anger when if I had just been consistent and I'd kept my word at the beginning, it would have been fine, right? So know that as I talk about this, I'm talking about my own struggle in this area, right? Bruce Waltke, who is a, uh, one of the leading scholars on the book of Proverbs, says this, The cleansing rod must be applied with warmth, affection, and respect for the youth. Warmth and affection, not steely discipline, characterize the book of Proverbs. That's how we apply the rod. That's how we use our words, warmth and affection. Why? Because we want them to know the Lord. We want to steer them in the direction of life. Kevin, that sounds good, but I've failed as a parent, right? I have, I have repeatedly uh, broken these lines. I've, I haven't practiced integrity, right? Everything's gone wrong. Is there anything we can do about it? And yes, I'm going to say there is. And it's the third thing. Remember the heart of your perfect father. Remember the heart of your perfect father. How do we do that? Well, first, we, we walk by faith, by keeping the end in mind. Remember where it is you want to go, right? Being consistent is hard. Um, we, folly's bound up in our hearts, too. And so being consistent as a parent is, is challenging. And so we need to remember, right, and, and we don't always see the results. We don't always see the fruit of our, of our parenting. 
So we want to remember the end, right? That where we're going, where we're steering this boat is towards the fear of the Lord. Remember uh, that, that that's the passion. That's where we want to be bent towards. So, so what passions are you wanting to cultivate in your children? What passions are you wanting to cultivate in your own heart? What direction do you want to go? Keep that end in mind. How do we do that? Let me be very practical here. In this room is a group of people whose purpose is to help you in this process, right? So, like, we, we will provide all kinds of means to help people grow as people, people grow as parents, people grow as children. On August the 18th, we're going we're gonna to do small groups and youth and children's. Use those means, Right? Let's not be surprised. A number of years ago, a sociologist, sociologist named Christian Smith did a study of why children leave the church. Why do they leave the faith of their parents? And do you know what he found, by and large? Is that their parents didn't really give them a faith to begin with. Now, their parents had them in church every Sunday. But what they was, received was not a gospel faith. It was not a living relationship with the Lord. It was what he called moral Moralistic therapeutic deism. And I won't unpack each one of those things, but basically, do good, feel good, God's out there somewhere. Y'all, that's not Christianity. That's not the vibrancy of Christianity. If you want to set your children on a strong trajectory, love the Lord yourself, make use of the means of grace, word, prayer, and fellowship. Right? If we're not, if we allow work and hobbies to squash that out of our lives, let's not be surprised that our children wander from the faith because they didn't find it compelling in us. So live a compelling faith before your children. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It does mean you have to be honest. It does mean that when I, when I spank my children in anger or when I slam a door so hard that it breaks the door frame, that I have to go back and apologize. And I have to say, that's not how, that's not how my father loves me. And that's not how I'm supposed to love you. Will you forgive me? That's what it means to live the faith before your children. All right? And take this with a grain of salt because my kids are only 12, 10, and 8. Okay? We're not even halfway through yet. All right. So keep the end in mind. Walk by faith. Uh, walk parent by prayer. Right? Are we... Again, oftentimes we just kind of leave prayer out of the equation and we assume that, like, well, as long as I'm following the steps, my children will turn out all right. Y'all, parenting is spiritual warfare. If you want your children to go in a certain direction, pray that God would help you steer them in that direction or that God would steer them in that direction. We parent by prayer first, right? Principles are important. We want to expose our children to the word. All that's true, but this is spiritual warfare. We want to pray. And then finally, when we talk about remembering the heart of the Father, remember that in Luke 15, Jesus tells a story about a foolish son. A foolish son who runs far away from home. He takes his father's wealth with him, and he squanders it in riotous living. Right? All of the things that Proverbs say don't do, this son does it. He is the height of the, of the foolish son. Now, what is the heart of the father towards that son? 
Well, Jesus tells us that that son, while he's in the far country, uh, comes to his senses and realizes just how much he's left behind in his father's house. And so he turns to come home. And we're told, Jesus says, that the father sees his son coming from a long way off. You know what that means about the father? He's scanning the horizon, waiting for his son to come home. And he doesn't stay on the porch and tap his foot and wag his finger and say, I told you so. In fact, the son has his whole speech ready to go, right? He's like, his speech for for his dad is to say, Father, I, I no longer deserve to be called your son. Just let me be a slave. But the father runs to the son, which would have been shameful for a grown man to do in that time. When he gathers up his robes around his waist and he runs out to his son. And before his son can even make his speech, he wraps his arms around his neck and he kisses him. And he says, bring the best robe. Bring the ring of my authority. Put sandals on his feet. Because this son of mine has returned home. And we should rejoice. Kill the fattened calf. Right, The heart of the Father, remember in your failures as a parent, remember in your failures as a child, remember the heart of your perfect Heavenly Father that He longs to embrace and He longs to forgive and He rejoices over sinners that return home. And when we see that grace, it will transform the way that we parent and it will transform the way that we respond to our parents. Let's pray. Father, would you make these things a reality in our lives? God, would you bring your truth to bear and also your grace that we would parent our children the way that you have loved us and that we would see your grace in our homes. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Steve, would you come up and lead?